0: Hey there, franchise fan guys listeners. Holy shit, do I have a surprise for you? On August 10th at 6 p.m. Pacific Time, Tom, Skid, and Andy will be chatting live about the Mission Impossible franchise on Bright, a brand new interactive video platform. You'll be able to talk to them directly and ask any questions you have about the franchise. Grab your tickets today at BrightLive.com. Or the link in the bio on Instagram, at franchise Fan guys. See you then. Relax, Luther. It's much worse than you think.
1: Welcome to Franchise Fan Guys, where we are on our fifth and final episode of the Mission Impossible franchise. I'm Tom Breifogel, joined with Andy Schmidt and Skid Mar. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves?
2: Uh, hi, I'm Andy Schmidt. I'm a writer and a uh, entertainment
3: industry consultant. Hi, I'm Skid Barr, and I'm not in the office at the moment. But if you wish to disavow me, leave a message with the secretary.
1: Nailed it! <laughs> Nailed it.
3: I'm back, He's baby. Back. I'm back. <laughs> He's back.
1: Franchise fan, guys. So we usually discuss what we would recommend for a series to do next. In the case of Mission Impossible, this subject is a bit moot. There are already two films being written and directed by Christopher McQuarrie and Tom Cruise producing. So it seems to be in good hands. So let's switch this one up and be a little different. At one point, Cruise was thinking of handing the series off to another character and retiring Ethan. So let's take that scenario. Cruise is looking to leave Hunt behind. McQuarrie is also retiring from the series. So how would you phase out Ethan but continue the series? And what director and or writer would you want to see direct an installment of the series and why? Andy? Uh,
2: all right. So, yeah. So the what he was originally going to do was hand the series off to Jeremy Renner and uh, his character, um, B- Blant, I think. Is that Brand? Brand? Blant. Brand. Br- Br- Brand. 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 <laughs> yeah, Brandt. Look at that. Uh, so uh, that didn't happen. Um, and I'm not really sure why it didn't happen. Like, I couldn't really find really concise notes on why that didn't happen. I don't know if that was a reaction to the character of Brandt, that they didn't feel like he was quite strong enough to take over or what. Um, and we hit on this a little bit last time that, you know, some of the other franchises that have, that have struggled with this kind of thing. Like, how do you, you know, the, the, the one which Jeremy Renner did take over for a movie was the Jason Bourne movies um, as an example of it not really working. But yeah, I mean that's kind of an interesting idea. And does Ethan Hunt appear at all? Like, is he an option for a cameo? Because I think the sort of the obvious thing would be for Ethan Hunt to go into a quote-unquote kind of more managerial role. You know, one of the things that at one point I was trying to put together a um, like a like a proposal to do comics that tied in with with Mission Impossible films. And uh, one of the things that I wanted to do, because I figured getting Tom Cruise likeness approvals uh, or maybe even the use of Ethan Hunt would be potentially quite difficult. Um, One of the things that I thought about was, was sort of doing the comics with, you may not have known this, but Ethan Hunt was you know has all these soldiers like in mission impossible three he's trained a whole bunch of people so he's got all these connections and and there's there's a bigger case and there are multiple teams working on it and hunt is coordinating with them so you would never in you know if we'd been able to do those you you never would really see hunt himself but you'd feel his presence if that makes sense Mm -hmm. Uh, and you could do something like that obviously depending on whether or not you know Tom Cruise would want to actually appear or not but i think doing a storyline that comes out of the Ethan Hunt uh series but kind of expands out might be an interesting way to go i think that for for multiple reasons i think that partly works a little bit better in comics because than a film because i don't think you'd want to make a film about like you know 12 different uh, IMF agents but you could do that in comics with different series and stuff but um so it doesn't directly apply but I think the idea of of needing at least for a while needing to um needing to feel Hunt's presence it would be important and what Fallout made me think was the way you feel his presence is with his sort of his uh, for lack of a better term sort of his moral purity like his unwillingness to let an innocent person die or to Mm. you know to do something wholly immoral um and you could you could infuse that kind of in other characters but I think one of the issues they had with passing the series off to Brandt is that Tom Cruise was the star of the film that introduced Brandt and Tom Cruise has been such a big star for so long, and the series has been about Ethan, that if Ethan is the star, when you introduce the other character, they are going to pale by comparison, by design, in fact. And so, to a certain degree, I think you might need to go with a, with a new character or a new set of characters. I think you could carry over Luther, um, you know, and perhaps Benji, but probably need to you know it's a weird way to start fresh make a different statement but also make it still feel like like it's there i don't know those are just sort of my bigger thoughts uh what do you guys think skid what what are you thinking
3: yeah i i think it's hard to imagine like like you're saying the series has become so closely associated with tom cruise because I, I was thinking that, you know, the TV show there's some precedent for people, the the agency staying constant and switching agents in and out. There they had a few constants like, that Peter. I think Peter Graves was there, not f- quite from the beginning, but you know, for most of the most of it. Uh, Greg Morris was in there for a long time, but like they switched out Martin Landau, an amazing actor for Leonard Nimoy, like as soon as Nimoy left Star Trek. So, but this movie, the movie franchise has become associated with a, an individual performer slash producer in a way that the TV show never did. So I, I don't, it's it's difficult for me to imagine the movie series carrying on without Tom Cruise in it. If I were to carry on, I I actually, I mean, this is probably my stock answer for uh, any new director to take over something. But I want to see Denis Villeneuve. I want to see his take on it. To have like a less action-oriented, more kind of creepy, low-key vibe to it. Where really focusing on the espionage and the misdirection aspects, the trickery. You know, that would be cool. And to star in it, you know what? I'm going to throw an underrated actor, William Mapother out there who not only has the physical presence, I think, to carry the Ethan Hunt kind of role that the, 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 the role Ethan Hunt fills, if not Ethan Hunt, but he also has the benefit of being Tom Cruise's cousin. And he looks kind of like a cross between Tom Cruise and Jeremy Renner. <laughs> so ticks every possible box
2: covers is what you're saying. every base you
3: got it all right there
1: <laughs> what other movies has he been in i don't i don't recognize his name
3: the uh, the only thing i i know that he's from is he played ethan on the first and season he's already of Lost. played a guy named ethan right and there you go like he doesn't have to learn to respond to a brand new name like he's got it there but uh, actors really stumble with that (laughs) no that's what that's the hey i've acted before and that is the main stumbling block that stops most actors from being successful oh wait i'm sorry were you talking to me (laughs) right oh god i'm sorry can we take that back i i didn't realize he was speaking to me i okay all right let's do it again back back to one uh but he played e- <laughs> he played ethan on the first up ep- uh se- first two seasons of lost the the other the first other that they run into who infiltrates the the oh the- right the regulars, okay yeah you know.
2: yeah yeah tom what do you what do you think about like sort of strategically where would you go to go for i'm not even sure i even came up with an answer i just sort of talked about different strategies but what
1: do you, what do you think I don't know if I would like it happening. So I just tried to think of a way where it would be so drastically different, but still fill the void of espionage and fun. There'd have to be a, a handoff movie where I would say maybe a villain played by like LeBron James. Like Bron- LeBron James is done playing basketball. He's acting now. He plays the villain. <laughs> I love and then this. I love this. Ethan- yeah, no, I'm, I'm 100% on board. Keep going. <laughs> Ethan uh, convinces LeBron to uh, be a good guy. And then so LeBron has all the intel with all the bad guys. But then now, is starting then in the next movie, is the good guy. And and the marketing of it, they wouldn't know he's ever going to be the good guy. They just think LeBron James is playing the villain. And then starting in the next film, LeBron James is the new lead.
2: Wow. Okay. Um, Everything about that I love. Uh, But I especially love... (laughs) lebron james putting on masks to pretend to be people that look nothing <laughs> like
3: lebron james yeah,
1: yeah.
3: i'm sorry you thought i was this one six foot nine 300 pound guy i'm actually this completely different six foot nine 300 pound guy
2: yeah they no, can only I mean, do that I just,
3: once i just
2: uh i just love the idea of like you know being this you know pretty girl and rips off the face and there's lebron james underneath you know like i mean uh <laughs> Not only have you figured out how to, how to resurrect a franchise that doesn't need resurrecting, but you've also, I think, invented a new uh, genre solely around <laughs> a single human in LeBron James. So, I, I'm, can we just end the episode now? Like is, That's are it. we done? We've answered the question. There's no need to go on. <laughs> That's pretty brilliant. Now, there is something to, um, to the idea of, of you know, potentially using a, 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 a villain. I think that's I think that's pretty interesting. It kind of reminds me, you know, when I was working on some I'm working on the G.I. Joe IP and they were trying to figure out kind of what to do after the second G.I. Joe film. One of the things that I had had floated out and that we discussed, uh, and ultimately didn't go in this direction, fairly obviously, since there's a new Snake Eyes movie coming out. Um, but uh was actually replacing um was killing off snake eyes and GI Joe and then having storm shadow, uh, who I think is a fairly, is a, the, the guy that plays storm shadow in those movies is, is arguably one of the most charismatic actors. in in those movies and having him sort of take over, as the, the the good guy ninja, sort of out of respect of snake guys because they got this whole history and stuff. And, and, you know, I was actually surprised at the amount of traction that idea got. I kind of ex- expected like a hard no on it <laughs> like from the beginning but and ultimately it wound up that's not the direction they went in which is why i can talk about it a little bit but it was one of those things that as we've discussed it more and more people were kind of nodding and then you know, for one reason or another didn't didn't go that way but but i like i do like the idea of there being like a like because we've seen in mission impossible we've seen the good guy go bad several times right like both yeah. one and two are good guys gone bad and Walker is a good guy gone bad. Uh Lane was a good guy who went bad. Uh in five. So we've seen that happen so many times. It would be nice to see somebody that went bad that, that actually went that turned good. I don't I don't I can't think of anything where we've seen that happen.
3: Well uh, in, I think in Mission Impossible anyway. The thing Vin Diesel's character was he was kind of a black hat hacker guy that kind of joined the good guys it's it's not quite the same thing but when when you're introduced to him he's the, it's kind of a, he's a criminal and he You mean Vin you know, Rams? Uh, I think wait what I say Vin Diesel. Oh
2: yeah. I, I thought you I thought you were going to talk about Triple X and I was like okay let's <laughs> when we're going there. Okay.
3: That's yeah, that too. And then Vin Diesel should also be in the new uh, Tom Cruise role. But uh but as Yeah, Groot. that's he, he was <laughs> Vin, Vin Diesel Ram's. as Groot in the Tom Cruise role. That's what <laughs> yes, we want. Yes. There you go. Again We've got like ten movies there, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, that would be way. I think that would be the mu- more interesting way to go. It makes me think of of X Men too, like Magneto. Yeah, and yeah, and somebody somebody that can that
2: I mean you need an actor that can pull that off somebody like Fastbender can pull that off but mm-hmm. but yeah and I think that I think what would be interesting about that is you could flip the dynamic that you have with Hunt. Hunt is the guy that has such a clear sense of morality and right and wrong and refuses to step over that line that you could then switch to a guy that has crossed that line and is trying to and maybe has trouble seeing it. Like maybe he is the guy that is thinking it, it it's worth it. Like he's tempted in a way that Ethan really isn't. Ethan sees the problem instantly and then has to figure out how to avoid it, which is which is great. And I'd really love that about that character. But I think it would also be really interesting, you know, like just going back to that scene in Fallout that we were talking about where he's told the plan about how they're gonna break out Lane, even if though he doesn't, I think, know it's Lane necessarily at that point. Or maybe he he does. Anyway, he's told the plan and they're gonna kill all these cops to break this guy out. And and then you come back. You know, and you see all of that and then you come back to him and he's clearly calculating, okay, well, that's not going to happen. I just have to figure out how to get what I need and that not happen. And it would be interesting to have a character in that role that ultimately figures out a way to make that not happen, but is tempted by going like, okay, this math might actually make sense. And I think that could be interesting. That's probably not the best example. But the other thing, too, that I might do is I don't think that I would say exactly what has happened to Ethan like I'd leave that an open question, not necessarily because I'd be thinking that Cruz would necessarily come back, or, or although I guess you know he could because he's a producer and the star and can do pretty much whatever he wants, I think, but, but if you definitively shut the door on Hunt, um, I think that could turn some fans off. Whereas if if it's more of a mystery of like what happened, is he he just faded away? Is he on a Super secret mission a more super secret mission or is he whatever and then I think that could be kind of interesting and you've got somebody that has to sort of fill that role so you can feel the vacancy and maybe that would be kind of interesting if you had Luther and Benji and I would think at least those two I think they're the two that have really stuck the most with audiences and there's a new guy in the role and you have kind of like we were talking about with Benji, that he's the guy that like really is like, no, you're all going to You're all going to die if you do that. Like, and, and Benji and, and Luther could fill that role of like, this isn't what Ethan would do. And the new guy is like, I'm not Ethan. I am not Ethan. And we're going to yeah. do this a different way. And I think that could be, I think that could be really interesting.
3: Yeah. I like that too, because thematically a bad guy would be most suited to doing what Ethan does because that character is constantly a hundred percent of the time at odds with his own, with his own superiors, with, with, with his own government. So, I mean, just, just from a, just a storytelling perspective like that, that's the kind of person that would flourish in that role is someone who's used to doing that, to operating that way.
2: Yeah, and I think that would be something you wouldn't know about him right away. Like, he'd be brought into the team to lead the team, and, you know, maybe he's got this really great record and is thought of, and they're all kind of rolling their eyes at him. Like, you know, he's no Ethan. And then he's very capable, but then one of the reveals later is he's capable because he came from the other side. And then there's, yeah. and then, then luther and benji have something to deal with but also you could go back to to that very first conversation you mentioned Skid, with luther about how he's actually done illegal stuff and so maybe Mm -hmm. there's there's a storyline where luther is kind of like no actually there are times we it's okay to break those like he could be tempted to kind of go back in in doing more you know illegal hackery things if he thinks it's it's worthwhile, which obviously they have done in the past because they do a bunch of illegal stuff in these movies. You know, I think we yeah. were joking about, you know, <laughs> even stealing the necklace and then going to jail for the rest of his life, whether he <laughs> wins that case or not. Um, you need it to be Mission Impossible, but you also need to change the dynamics to something new. And that's one of the and, and I think that's baked into this franchise. Each movie has something new to it like they all feel like mission impossible but they're all also a little different or there's something that pushes further or there's some new element in each one that keeps uh that for the most part keeps it feeling
1: pretty fresh what about for writer director of this movie you know
2: my instincts apparently sort of similar to skids are to go darker um I don't know that that's actually what the world needs right now, Um, (laughs) (laughs) but I'd be curious to see like what somebody like Andrew Kevin Walker as a writer would do. He wrote seven um, and he was one Mm -hmm. of the writers on the fight on Fight Club. And I'd be curious to see what he would do with something like this would be very different, I think. Um, But especially if you're talking about writing kind of more edgy characters, I think he's really good at writing characters like that
1: i think that'd be perfect for a writer the guy who wrote seven i didn't know his name but yeah something like that where it's very mental where it gets in your head
2: yeah yeah i mean i love i love shane black as both a writer and a director i'm not sure i'd i'm not sure i'd want him necessarily on on mission impossible like he i don't think he would be my my go-to like i'd be great like look i won't like if they announced that shane black were doing mission impossible i'd I'd be fine with that because i think his movies are great um he, he. Um, for those of you that don't know out there in the world, he first, the first thing he did was he wrote Lethal Weapon, the original Lethal Weapon, um, but more recently, like, he wrote and directed The Nice Guys and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and um, that really bad Predator movie that just came out, that was him. Yeah, that was him. Um, <laughs> and I
3: Iron, Iron Man happened, 3, man.
2: which everyone loved. Iron Man 3. Iron Man 3, which is, you know, still one of my favorite Marvel movies. It is a uh, really good movie. Everyone I like love it, i love that movie but every 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 friend of mine that is a fan of iron man hates that movie <laughs> yeah. and i was even though i worked on the iron man comics i was never like a giant iron man fan and i think that's why i yeah. like that movie because it's that I think was it's your great first movie. gig
3: that was your first like head like gig at marvel it was iron man right or no it was spider yeah, girl, right?
2: F- spider girl and captain marvel i got those as, as as the editor on the same day but yeah but my first uh, my first marvel comic credit as an editor i was an assistant editor was came out uh iron an issue of iron man and an issue of the order a miniseries uh Mm. came out on the same day and they both had my credit anyway um nobody cares about that stuff (laughs) (laughs) uh they care about marvel comics they just don't care about me yeah yeah, everyone's Um, really riveted to who the editors are right yeah exactly (laughs) um but yeah from a director standpoint um uh, uh, yeah, that's that's tough because, yeah, I mean, I it's so much of it goes with like what direction you want to push it in, like tonally, right? Um, man, I don't know. I mean, I I love uh, De- I don't know how to say his last name really, Dennis Villanueva. Um, that you mentioned, skid, like yeah. I love his stuff. I just watched, I just watched Enemy. Um, I just watched Enemy and then oh. like two days later watched, um, what's the one with Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal? Oh, Prisoners, Prisoners. Oh my Yeah, I God. watched both of those like Love basically back to back. Both of those movies. Oh, they're so freaking intense. The last shot of enemy like freaked uh, me out.
3: I know that's like, like the
2: you, most horrifying thing. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't know. Like, like I just feel like that would be so. It would be intense. It would be great. I know, but it would be dark and it would be so different. Would it still feel like Mission Impossible? I mean, obviously. I mean, he came in and did. This, the Blade Runner sequel did a phenomenal job of making that feel mm-hmm. like Blade Runner. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, he's clearly got the the chops to do that if he wanted. You know, I think I would just... I think I would be avoiding... I would try to avoid directors that, that uh, value Flash more than substance. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's one of the things that has made Mission Impossible work and endure. Is that there is more substance than I think... Then I think you even realize at the time, like there is more to it that I think is part of what draws people back. So I would be avoiding, you know, directors, I mean, honestly, like John Woo and like Michael Bay and like that, you know, kind of that, that ilk.
3: I probably wouldn't go in that direction. I don't know.
2: What do you guys, what do you guys think?
3: Well, uh, just quickly to defend John Woo, I did learn some stuff about Mission Impossible 2 this morning. Uh, one of which is that John Woo's original cut for Mission Impossible 2 was three and a half hours long, so they cut out an hour of that movie or more. So I don't know what the finished product would have been like. I don't know if it would there would have been more substance if if they had been able to complete that. Uh, the other thing, just it's actually real it's quick, actually
2: the same movie. It's just
3: entirely in slow motion. Right. <laughs> yeah. Which uh, it's, <laughs> uh, that's that's a sort of substance. The other thing is mentioning, we talked about, I mentioned Magneto. Ian McKellen was initially supposed to play the role of the secretary that Anthony Hopkins ended up playing. So that's sort of interesting. And the other thing is that Metallica's song on the soundtrack in that movie was leaked early on Napster. And that was what spurred the case of of Metallica versus Napster that changed the music industry forever.
1: It was that song from that movie. Wow. wow. And yeah, that was the last song Jason Newstead played on in Metallica. Oh, yeah. New kid. <laughs> the new kid for yeah. 15 years. <laughs> right. He'll always be the new kid to me. So, yeah. I'm a Cliff Burton guy. I don't
2: know. Here go. Oh, of course. Franchise fan guys.
1: How about you, Tom? Maybe for a director like Robert Rodriguez could be really cool. And... For a writer, I guess if it was going to be more mental, I think what you said, the guy, I forget his name, but the guy who wrote Seven, I think that is perfect. But I think uh, Charlie Kaufman could do it a really good job. Oh, wow. <laughs> he, oh, man. There's some intense w- <laughs> moments in adaptation.
3: Absolutely. Great stunt work. That's, I want to see a Charlie Kaufman scripted Mission Impossible starring LeBron James. Yes. I want to see that more than anything in the world right now.
2: <laughs> so who would you? Who would you? I mean, obviously, we don't know what that character would be, and we're clearly spitballing. But like, who would you cast? As I mean, I saw Tenant recently, so um, John David Washington. Uh, I think he'd be great. I mean, I saw Tenant, and he he plays sort of like a similar, like cool, you know, role. You know, great suit, sort of espionage, sort of James Bondy sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But I also really like him. I find him really. He's great in Black Landsman too. Um, mm-hmm. I find him very engaging as an actor and he can be intense when he needs to be. So somebody like somebody like him, I can see, you know, stepping into a lead role, Idris Elba. I would also cast for any role ever. Absolutely. Um, He's maybe getting maybe a little older to take over a franchise where you're expect, hoping that they take over for years and years. But yeah, Fastbender is great. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's, he's amazing. You, You guys have any thoughts on like, who 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 can fill the sho- the shoes of arguably the biggest star in the world
3: yeah that's the thing it's like it's that is really big shoes to fill not just because this is the one of the biggest movie stars of all time that you have to replace but the physical danger that he is willing to subject himself to in every one of these movies is something that's going to be demanded of whoever fills those shoes too so that's a good that's, point yeah that's tough because that is that's a big tough. part of the enjoyment of these movies sure yeah it's legendary at this point point. and uh but i i just thought uh michael b jordan michael b jordan might be good oh yeah he'd be great i mm-hmm. think he'd be really good and i think also for writers directors it depends on what direction you wanted to go if you do want to go dark you could i Denis villanova would be my choice but if you want to go the other way and have more fun uh, the Russos, I think the Russo brothers would be a great choice to script and direct. i I, I, well, just, I think yeah, I, I mean, think they could do anything. Uh, they're they're yeah, so Captain good. Yeah, Captain America: at just Winter Soldier everything. is is
2: essentially a, a, an espionage movie, mm-hmm. right? Captain America: Winter Soldier. Yeah, I mean it's it's got yeah. all those it's got all those trappings, and it is really it is really good. The Russo brothers would be would be really compelling. It'd be hard to argue against that. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, and and the the uh, the writers are uh, McFeely and um, it's two it's two writers that wrote those. I, I'm blanking on their names right now, but but yeah, they they would be good, and they do inject a nice you know humor to things too. They, and but they know when not to, which is nice. And some some of the Marvel movies, I don't think they they know when not to do the funny thing. Like sometimes yes. the, the funny thing undercuts a dramatic moment. Um, and I get it like you're subverting expectations and it can still be funny, but it does also still undercut like what's happening. But yeah, that's interesting. And actually I was thinking too, of, you know, when you were, when you mentioned Michael B. Jordan, then my mind went to, you know, Ryan Coogler as a, as a director and gosh, that guy's got such an amazing track record, but like, Mm -hmm. yes, of course, Black Panther was a huge hit. But if you look at like Fruitvale station, um, you know, or Creed, like he's, he's, he's yeah. got those chops for that intensity and that street level stuff too that, I mean, he's already shown the entire range you would need for a Mission Impossible mm-hmm. franchise. I assume that he is, you know, kind of, he makes just whatever movie he wants to make after making the, I think Black Panther's like the second or third biggest hit ever now, um, by some yardstick, but yeah, Coogler would be
1: great too. So who's going to score the movie?
2: That's a good question. Why don't we throw that one at you, Tom? Because you are the you are the resident music expert. You you don't even ever mention that when you uh,
1: when you introduce yourself on the podcast. But. I know
3: you're like a,
1: uh, a huge music guy. I would have a band score it. Maybe I guess Trent Reznor, but bringing in more of uh, the rock elements, make, making it even though the stuff he scores still at times feels like Nine Inch Nails. But I guess Trent Reznor, but him. Changing it up. I feel like he he changes it no matter what he does. So I would say uh, Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross.
2: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I don't know that I could argue with that. It's kind of where my head went, uh, too. Um, And I don't know if that's because I only just discovered him as a composer, really, like I knew he was doing that but I hadn't really paid a whole lot of attention to the, to what he had been scoring until relatively recently. And I've been listening to the Watchmen TV show soundtrack quite a bit, which I really like. Yeah. Um, so and, good. A, and a couple others that, that he's done. And I'm, I, I find what he does really compelling. Um, uh, and actually, the other composer I've started listening to a lot is actually Lauren Balfe, who, who did the music for Fallout. Because I'm, I was so impressed with the music from Fallout, I started listening to other music that he's he's done. He actually did the Terminator uh, Genesis soundtrack. Oh, uh, wow. Is that right? Okay. So I've been listening to that soundtrack, and I really like that soundtrack. He does a lot of—and he, he does some kind of similarly—and we didn't really talk about— soundtracks much at all in, in uh, with mission impossible but if you listen to the, the fallout soundtrack what he does with the mission impossible theme when he uses it and how he uses it and how he changes it is really really clever stuff and he does that a lot with the terminator theme too of the terminator soundtracks after the original you know kind of iconic brad fiedel uh or fidel i'm not sure how you say his last name score it's i think it's probably the best of the bunch but
1: the other the other was it junkie XL? Is that is that his name? Oh yeah is that his name he would be yeah. perfect. Yeah, that's his name. Tom. Yeah. I forget his last name, but yeah, Junkie XL is incredible.
2: Yeah, and he did uh and he's often credited with other people. Like I think he and hans Zimmer together, I think, did have done a couple of things. Um you know, I think I think he did Dead. Yeah, and he did Mad Max, was and his, he did like, that's oh. what I was gonna say. He did Mad Max, Fury Road, and Fury Road that soundtrack is amazing, but it's also when it gets actiony. That soundtrack, it's awesome. Um, so I think I think I might I might be looking into
1: into Junkie. Totally. Was it Batman versus Superman that he and Hans Zimmer did together, or Justice League?
2: Um, I don't know. I'll I'll look it up. Uh, okay, yeah,
3: Skid I'll look it up while Skid's talking about musical choices. <laughs> uh, I say bring back Limp Biscuit. You know, I mean. <laughs> they had one shot and it's like they felt maybe they fell a little bit short but i think they've they've learned a lot from their experience i'm guessing and just give them one more shot i think they can nail it uh also speaking of music before i forget i can't believe i've never brought this up but i want to acknowledge the amazing uh, homage that brad bird put in to ghost nation to what andy and i i know agree is the greatest film ever made hudson hawk and the music secret the the keeping time by the the well like a fella once said ain't that a kick in the head when they're breaking him out of prison that's right out of hudson hawk baby uh that's and clearly an homage to hudson hawk, <laughs> hawk. yeah clearly yeah would you like to swing on a star? Like it's it's a it's a mid-century pop song's keeping time for a for a, a, a heist it's like it's it's best movie ever made. Yeah, uh,
2: <laughs> it looks like they did work to sorry to go back. It looks like they did work together on Justice League and Batman versus Superman, Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. Um, nice. Yeah, and maybe he did not do Deadpool. I'm not seeing that in here. Maybe I got him confused with somebody else.
1: Too bad we don't have like one of those machines in Futurama where you can think of something and see it. Because this would be awesome to to see this movie. <laughs> At least see a clip from it. I'm I'm ready. Let's you
2: know what guys. Let's just call up. Let's just call up Tom Cruise's production company and, we're ready uh, to pitch this. We, got this we we got this figured out for them <laughs> we're, we're, <laughs> we're good. done
3: we've got a roadmap for the future man this is there's this no deviation <laughs> needed
2: yeah i honestly i this is this is usually my favorite episode is our last episode where we just get to like chat about this stuff you know but uh but i love doing this kind of thing and this is you know i i, I love it when i'm paid to do this kind of thing because then i get to really like dive in and i can take days and weeks and and like really dig in and and do the research and stuff and I love doing that research and then pulling things out and making, you know, decisions not just like kind of we do these kind of off the cuff but like I like being able to go into a meeting and being able to like defend the decision be like it's not just what I think would be cool it's also look at this and like here's the data that that you know here's look at these fan responses look at these sorts of things like that's you know these are clearly elements in the In the franchise because of you know, here they are, boom, 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 boom. Like I I love doing that kind of stuff. It's it's a lot of fun. Also to watch movies.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it's cool. It's cool just like kind of breaking down you know, what what makes things work and the direction you wanna go and kind of trying to steer the project towards that way with these different choices. It's yeah, it's, it's yeah, got to be cool.
2: It's real. It's really fun breaking them down into component parts, but then figuring out how do you use those same component parts to build something different, but clearly cut from the same cloth that's really really fun and i like it you know for me seeing a movie or or you know if i'm reading a comic about you know characters that have been around for 80 years what i like is the feeling something that is new like hey there's a new take on the character or whatever but it's still clearly that that character but but there's a freshness to it and that's uh you know it's it's not it's not easy i mean we, we see a lot of times when people companies whatever you know attempt it and it and it just doesn't work for whatever reason. Um, so there's no guarantees in any of it, but but I do love it. It's super
1: fun. And on that note, I think we are done with the Mission Impossible franchise. We did it!
0: <laughs> we did it! Thanks for listening to Franchise Fan Guys, Mission Impossible, Episode 5 of 5. Please write a review and give a 5-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. Intro music by Tom Breifogel and John Harvey. To connect... Visit FranchiseFanguys.com, at FranchiseFanguys on Instagram, and at GuysFranchise on Twitter.